Hi, and welcome to People of PJC, a community audio project in which we, the members of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, share our stories, our passions, and our past to shape how we think about each other in the future. I'm Rabbi Yechiel Schaffer, the rabbi of Pikesville Jewish Congregation in Baltimore, Maryland. Our young community has grown over the last decade into a 150-member-strung congregation with passionate people, accomplished professionals, and many ordinary folk with extraordinary stories. In this space, we share some of those stories. Today, I share with you my conversation with the Berman family. Dr. Dave and Rachel Berman joined our community just a few years ago from the Upper West Side, and they have been a blessing. I'm pleased to share with you the chat that we had together. Hi, Dave and Rachel. So good to be with you guys again. Could you just uh, briefly just introduce yourselves? What do you guys do? What's something about, about you guys that uh, we may not know? I'm Dave. I'm lucky enough to be married to Rachel and dad to Ellie and Sam. I am a doctor at Hopkins, and I also teach in medical school. My favorite thing that I do professionally is that I help run the residency program in anesthesia and critical care. So I spend about a third of my time teaching our young doctors how to be doctors, I guess those who can't do teach. Um, and I'm also getting my master's in education through Hopkins. And uh, yeah. That's it's a, Dave, it's a really cool combination uh, to be both a student and a teacher at the same time. We'll, we we'll all talk about are, that. though, aren't we? You know, to some degree, we all are. Yeah, but to make it official is, is to be enrolled, to be enrolled. Um, Rachel, introduce yourself. I'm Rachel Berman. Um, I am very privileged to be this guy's wife and mom to our two kids. And right now I am the, the primary caregiver for those children. Uh, and before Ellie was born, I was a journalist. Um, I specialize in digital and new media in particular in helping older brands, legacy companies to figure out what the heck to do with all this new stuff. And my last full-time gig was at Forbes running their social media editorial team. My understanding is you were quite successful there. I don't want to embarrass you, put you on the spot, but you brought Forbes into the new age. That's what they say. Well, I don't know who they are, but that's, (laughs) that's a, Kind of, kind of what I do. I'm, I'm, I did a, a graduate program um, at NYU called Studio 20. It's based around the idea of an art studio, but instead for journalism. So you work on a project basis and worked collaboratively with alumni and current students um, to solve problems. And um, so that's, I, 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 on the one hand, I've jumped around a lot, but that's kind of what I'm trained to do is to solve problems. It's so funny. In the medical world, um, you give a minimum of three months notice when you're leaving a job, <laughs> ideally six. And if you've had more than three jobs in the last 10 years, people start to think you're funny. And Rachel would go from place to place to place. I think you had four, well, four jobs in the time. Later. I got laid off twice. Uh, Welcome to the, the media world. The time period <laughs> that we were engaged. Um, but yeah, but, but I also did a lot of jumping around between working as a grad student and then, and then after that. Yeah. It's interesting because I wonder if you both, to a certain degree, 
uh, have a profession or have a passion around problem solving? Definitely the problem solving. I think. And Ellie does too. Oh our gosh. Two year old. She's a, she's <laughs> the biggest problem solver. If there's of a magnetile problem. She will, she will fix it. Um, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely part of who we are, but I was giving this some thought today based on your prompt and Dave is being, is underselling himself because he's also quite the tech guy and quite the musician. Uh, and I think Dave, you play. Oh yeah. What do you play? I was a pretty pretty well-known guitarist in New York before, before all this. Before you moved to Baltimore. (laughs) He's played at the Hollywood bowl. He's on several John Mayer CDs. What? Yeah. Yeah. And now I play lullabies for Ellie. It's true. He's How long have you been playing for? This is his number one hit. Since high school. Well, since before high school, but seriously since high school. Um, I majored in, at NYU, I did all the pre-med courses, but I, I didn't really love the idea of being a bio or a chem major. Um, I didn't really feel like it was value added to my life. And so I majored in econ and jazz performance. And so I took a lot of classes in the business. I know your head is exploding right now. Um, this so is I, very normal. It's fine. I had three majors. Welcome to Lane. Yeah. So Welcome I, to the uh, Barmans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I, and after medical school, after undergrad, before med school, I did some, um, some freelance musician stuff. And photography. And photography. Dave has spent the night on a lobster fishing boat in Maine. Several nights on a lobster fishing boat. It's my in Maine. favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was no, hold on. Hold on one second. Keep keep the lobster boat in Maine on hold for one second. In case I was gonna say curious, <laughs> all I ate for two days was apples. I was gonna say hold off on the lobster for a second. Um, <laughs> so I so whatever I thought going into this conversation, and and whatever kind of box I framed you guys in, oh, um, no. uh, artist having an artist's soul was not where I was at. Um, oh yeah, is that yeah, who yeah. you guys are? Are you guys artists? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, I did 10 years in theater camp. I, it's 25 funny. years of ballet. When um, I talk to our, to our residents, um, I tell them that a lot of medical practice is science, but an equal, if not greater proportion is art. And two doctors can know the exact same thing and apply it very differently. And I think specifically in my world, in the anesthesia critical care world, so much of the bartending we do, so much of the the small, subtle things we do are more art than science. And so the guy who trained me was 76 when he trained me. And he'd been doing this longer than my dad had been alive when I started. And he just had style. The guy just had class. And I was like, this is a medical artist. And so that's sort of what I try to do. I think it's more that, I mean, I think it is art, but I think it's, I, I think it's more of a connection or, or a kind of story obsession, which is funny because that's what you're trying to do. Um, I had a lot of time during water table day to think about this for you. <laughs> when I started off in, in med school and people asked what I wanted to do with my life, much like when Rachel started off in journalism school, um, we're both deep thinkers about people's stories and experiences. And for me, I want to be with people during transformative moments of their lives, whether that's... That's that's always his answer. When you ask Dave why did he choose anesthesia, it's he wants to be with people on their best and worst days. 
Like I'm there when moms give birth. I'm there when people have major cancer surgery. I'm also there when you get a little too drunk and fall down and break your leg. I'll, I'll be there to help you too. Um, it's not, a not me, not me. The, the metaphor, metaphorical you. you. The royal you. <laughs> right. The PJC you. Um, and, and I, I think that's fun. And, and But I think that's a large part of, I mean, that's why we're involved to such a, a deep extent in the Jewish community, you know, historically in college and in New York and, and, and why we're committed to it now as well. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's why I chose journalism. History seemed like a really fun thing to study, but I wanted to be more actively involved in it. And that was, that was the way to do it. Um, and similarly, you know, getting to have connection with people and to make the things that we're doing meaningful was why we got involved in all the things we do. Yeah. yeah. So just to unpack that, just just a little bit, because in what both of you are sharing, there's a lot. Um, Lobsters. <laughs> let's go back to the lobster story. Um, I do want to hear the like why you spent two days on a lobster boat, but um, in, in a oh, second, that, that's I, not even the worst part of now. I don't want to get distracted, or I don't also don't want to have to rate this podcast uh, expletive. Um, so we, we got to keep the. Sto- you know, you invited Dave Berman to this I do, I do, I do. Um, Rachel, do you see yourself as a historian, as as a well, any good journalist does. Absolutely. Anything that, I mean, everything that we're doing now is going to be history later. And I think that's part of why it becomes so much more complicated in 2020 than it was in, say, 1920. Because with Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok and all of the rest of it, all of that in some form is contributing to how people are getting their news right now live, which is also something that really couldn't have happened, and is going into our historical record. You know, the, pre- the president's tweets get archived. The, the, this is something that the Library of Congress has to contend with, and thank God not me personally, but, but this is something that will someday be read about. Um, this is something that will be watched or scanned into our brains or however they'll do it. <laughs> but, you know, this is, you know, th- this is what will happen. And we talk about FDR's fireside chats like they're a big deal, and we're going to talk about Trump's tweets. It's the same thing. All of this. Hopefully not the same. Thing. Well, no, but it's the same idea. Of, it's the same <laughs> idea of, 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 of how, how are you contributing um, and how are you connecting to other people? And if you're not recognizing that what you publish is something that's being preserved to be relived and understood later, then you're doing it wrong. It's it's um it's very thought provoking because your your passion right your training and your passion to me is not only storytelling uh, but it's living right it's being aware of the life you live being deliberate in how you share it and in what ways you share it that's very thought provoking I, I I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask the both of you just avoiding as best possible any political commentary um, because Mm. uh, we are a diverse uh, community with diverse politics. Both of you are uh, trained professionals in a field that is going through a dynamic, profound experience. 
uh, maybe even traumatic experience. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to describe it that way, but both of you in different ways, your field is experiencing trauma on a broad scale and trying to process it and trying to, to adjust and change. Um, could you, just, I guess, each share just a, a minute reflection on what that means to you, what you think that means to your profession? You know, what should we be thinking about? Should we rock, paper, scissor this? Who's going first? Uh, <laughs> Rachel, you go first. I, I go back and forth. I, I am not, I, I, I do some consultant stuff, but in large part, I'm not actively working. I'm not in a newsroom. I'm not in a bullpen. Um, not on the streets. And I, depending on the day and the hour and what is happening, uh, I go back and forth between being very grateful for that for a variety of reasons, ranging from, you know, safety to sanity, uh, uh, to being really, you know, kind of jealous and remiss that I'm not getting to, to participate in this and to be, to be part of that, that record and that witness. It is absolutely, uh, changing journalism again, because, you know, I mean, Twitter was founded to help with rebellion and uprising, but to now have so many voices on so many different social media platforms. I think in part, the next question is how do we filter all of this so that we know it's going to be digestible and how do we not miss the most important thing? How do we trust what's getting upvoted, retweeted, shared and by whom? And, you know, all of that is, Something that started to become a big issue on, on Facebook, for example, in the last election, but um, and and it's something that I I wonder about a lot um, is that authenticity. You know, on the on the one hand, it was kind of a shame when there were only three TV channels because you missed out on on all of this diversity and variety. And and on the other hand, now it, a lot of that filtering is dependent on the user, and that's a, a big responsibility that I'm not sure that I'm not sure everyone's used to having to shoulder. Um, I, I thought about that in but particular. But I, 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 I'm not in it on the front lines the way that Dave is. Well, you, you being an informed and trained user is also a, a valuable thought maybe for, for another chat at another time. But I, I did specifically in think about what you're saying in context of when the, the new space station, the new uh, space shuttle ducked with the, the, the International Space Station. And I pulled out my cell phone and I showed my, my seven-year-old son, uh, Bensi. I showed him the, the live ducking and the astronauts coming out of their pod into the space station. Um, lucky people getting off this planet. <laughs> thinking, um, I, I, all I could think about was we have integrated into our lives the ability to witness what is so important, what is so historic. Right? To be seven years old, and watch a, a, a space shuttle dock on the International Space Station on a cell phone is like it's, it's and to have it not even be that big of a deal when we were kids. That's something we would have had to you know remember, and our children would ask us, "Where were you someday?" And that's you know, it's it's a blip on the radar now. Yeah, Dave, what about you? What to reflect on your? I mean, you're in it. You're in the middle of it now. Um, yeah. You're not you're not through it, but reflect on how you feel your profession is changing, transforming, uh, surviving? You know, I think it's interesting. Those of us who stepped up to, to do hard work, um, we call it our Super Bowl. Right? This, is, 
this is why we trained. This is why we went into medicine. This is, this is uh, obviously we didn't know it was coming now. Now we didn't have a season to prepare for it, but, um, but this is, this is why we went into clinical medicine in the first place. At the same time, I think of my friends who are military veterans and think of how our experiences are not that different now. Um, my friends who are doctors alongside me who served active duty in the military saw a lot of conflicts, had or moral hazards, had their own ethics challenged with limited resources or uh, similar things. Um, and the difference that's both a blessing and a curse is that I get to come home every day, which is, is challenging. I haven't really talked about most of what I've seen and that's a deliberate choice. I fully understand that at some point my friends and I will need to process what we've seen. And I think the PTSD is coming. Well, you're not post-trauma yet. We're, we're currently TSD. <laughs> yeah. It's tough I, because I, you never want to I, – I think there's such a value and a wisdom in shared experience in the sense that there's really not going to be anybody who wasn't there who fully understands what we're going through. And it's not that dis- – one of my friends was, a, um, was embedded with an Air Force squadron in Iraq. And he tells me, you just don't get it until you've been there. And then you need no explaining. And I was like, yeah, sure, Rob, whatever you say, whatever. But it's a real thing. Like my, my friends and I, I think our, our professional experiences will be forever transformed as a result. I've noticed that you always, in the past month or so, call them your friends, and you used to call the people you worked with your colleagues. I think it has brought us much closer together. I think there could have been experiences in which we were separated or divided or at least skeptical of each other every time one of us sniffled or coughed. But I I think at least where I'm spending my days and nights and more days and more nights these days, I think we have banded together in a way that has made me proud. It's made me proud. But it will still suck in a year or two years or five years processing everything. But at least in the short term, um, I think we are dealing with the trauma by keeping our heads down and continuing working. Um, it's been a complete upending of everything. One takeaway for me um Besides your both extraordinary commitments to excellence and, and doing your professions and, and uh, being great at what you do, one of the takeaways is the, the social dynamic that I think exists more broadly and definitely in our world is the, the hypersensitivity towards our impact on each other. And that has become one of the most important values socially in our community and beyond in your community, in your, your professional community, Dave, you're aware of the potential, you know, impact of, on each other. When, as you said, when someone coughs, you know, uh, that, that is a thing. But 
that there are other values that are so dominant there. There are other principles, other uh, affections that are so dominant that you're aware of it, you're safe around it, and it doesn't define how you connect with, with your friends, with your colleagues. All right, Dave and Rachel, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And it was really, the, the point here is to give a teaser into your lives. Um, I don't think uh, we could capture uh, anyone's life in in you know, 15, 20 minutes. But um, I'm excited to be able to share with our community uh, a little bit about you guys. And please God, the next time we can get together, um, next time you guys are there, uh, I hope people will ask you more about about being a doctor and being a journalist and, and being parents, being great parents. Forget forget that. I think people yeah, should yeah. ask me about about the lobster boat. And people I think people ask- should ask you about the lobster boat, and I think you people should ask you about playing guitar. That's what that's oh, round yeah. two yeah. of this conversation. That's yeah. Ellie's favorite thing her dad does. Musical Havdala in our house is the best. That's so good to hear. All right. Please God we will be able to do musical Havdala together soon. Amen. I mean, All right. Thank you, Rachel and Dave. Thank you, Rabbi. Bye, Rabbi. Stay healthy and send my send my best to your kids. Okay, okay, we'll do you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Dave and Rachel, for that great conversation, for taking the time to share with us a little bit about yourselves. While you obviously can't capture the essence of a family in a short few minutes, I do feel very privileged and lucky to have spent time with the Burmans. People of BJC is an audio project of our community where we begin sharing our stories and listening and learning about each other. I'm Rabbi Yechiel Schaffer, Rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation in Baltimore, Maryland. To learn more about our community and to listen to other episodes, visit pikesvillejewish.com or subscribe to this audio project on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This has been the people of PJC, an audio project of our community.